Hello there, this is Ron Stiver, President of System Clinical Services, and pleased to be with you, many of our SCS team members, for one of our podcasts in which we highlight SCS team members who are living the values on a daily basis. And so, very pleased to have with us today Spencer Medcalf. Spencer is one of our peer recovery coaches for our Behavioral Health Virtual Care Hub. Spencer, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. So I'm, you know, we've got to know each other over the past several months, and I've always enjoyed our conversations. Excited about our listeners and other SES and IEL team members learning about the virtual care hub and the work that you do, Spencer. But we're going to start with an icebreaker. It's kind of a traditional one I have. So okay. you probably know what it is. But when you were 10 years old, any aspirations at that time of what you wanted to be when you grew up? So I always wanted to be a scientist. Um, and then my father always told me I could be the president. So now I'm leaning more towards the scientist, <laughs> even still. Um, but yeah, those were the two big things that I had stuck in my head at 10 years old. What drew you to science? For me, science makes sense, specifically like biology and environmental science and earth science. It seems like the natural order and reactions yeah. to things. So um, it just always had made sense to me in school, did well in it. And so I feel like maybe behavioral health fell into that a little yeah. bit. You Still know? have that curiosity today around the sciences? and Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I wasn't, if I not going to do behavioral health, uh, I would love to be a geologist actually. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, why don't we start, many of our listeners may not know what a peer recovery coach is. Why don't you describe what a peer recovery coach is and talk a little bit about our behavioral health virtual hub. So what a peer recovery coach is, is a person um, with lived experience with some type of substance use disorder, um, and then also an active long-term recovery from said substance use disorder, um, any substance, and some folks even, you know, like gambling and other addictions of that nature, um, you're starting to see it pop up in the, in the recovery coaching world, um, and then have gone through a series of trainings and certifications through a credentialing body here in Indiana to be able to provide peer support or peer recovery coaching services to folks. Now, you mentioned you mentioned peer recovery coach, someone that's experienced substance abuse disorder in long-term recovery. Tell us a little bit about your story, Spencer. Um, so my story started uh, at the age of 16, 15, 16, I guess. Uh, started experimenting, I think, like most typical teenagers with marijuana and alcohol and dibble-dabbled with that for probably a few months and then encountered uh, prescription pain pills through a friend who, innocently, innocently enough, I received them from another friend in a class, you know, and had two, didn't want to take both, shared one with me, and the rest is kind of history. Once I experienced that high, that's that was my obsession and kind of what I wanted to get for the next 10 years, essentially. And how did you get on the road to recovery? I, I got on the road to, re to recovery the hard way through many, I don't say failed attempts, but attempts that didn't really stick. Uh, I've been in treatment seven times total inpatient. Um, and each one of those times, I do believe a seed was planted. Uh, I just had to kind of go back out and experience what life would be like if I didn't stay sober. So after being involved in the recovery and some minor involvement with the criminal justice system, I realized that the consequences of my actions, if I were to continue on that road of active use, IV heroin use, and, um, and decided that was not the life I wanted to live. Um, if I was gonna even, I truly believe I wouldn't be alive today if I wasn't sober. I would be one of the 193 people that die a day, so. And how, how does that, how does that background, I mean, talk about how that background, I mean, helps you as you're talking to patients virtually throughout the state that are, that are faced with substance abuse disorder? I think it helps uh, because oftentimes in the emergency room setting, they're seeing what, you know, people in a lot of white coats, a lot of clinical people and nurse scrubs, 
um, you know, who are asking a lot of very kind of professional clinical questions. And when we engage with the patient, one of the first things we let them know is that we're in long-term recovery, explain what a pure recovery coach is like I did just did with you, and just kind of ask them, you know, what brings them to the emergency room and see where we can best assist them. You know, I had a, a gentleman today, and he's like, this is a really awesome service. Yeah, you know, I don't feel like I'm being analyzed, you know, or, you know, questioned or badgered. Yeah, he's true. like, I, I feel like you want to help. Um, and and we, I think we get that a lot when we're engaging with patients is that um, not that the nurses and those folks are badgering, but, you know, it's just a different different motive, different, different frame of mind to, and to help those patients. So Spencer, a lot of our listeners, right, from a, a, not only across SES, but across the system in healthcare may encounter someone with substance abuse disorder and, and may not know how to approach that person. What's your advice or suggestions on, on how they go about that? My suggestion would be anyone suffering from any type of like substance use or mental health in general um, concern would be to approach them with love and compassion. You know, that's somebody's friend, family member, brother, mother, etc. If it was your family member or loved one, you'd want them treated with compassion if they were suffering as well. So I think it's important to keep that in the forefront, you know, and again, the substance use disorder is a disease. It just manifests its symptoms much differently than perhaps, you know, a, a cardiac condition or diabetes would. It's much more behavioral, obviously, and action-based than it is, um, you know, a fever, runny nose, or high blood sugar. I, mean, I think to keep those two things in mind is really key, because even working in the, in the field, sometimes it is frustrating, but, you know, you have to recenter yourself, you know, um, or I have to recenter myself. Well, and how do you how do you recenter yourself? How do you stay recentered? In- um, I think for me, it's, it's easier because that was once me. I was once that person, you know, that ornery person um, that was resistant to treatment or, you know, didn't want to take anyone's advice. I was a young 21-year-old that just knew everything and, you know, I'll figure it out on my own um, for a long time. And so I have to remind myself that was me. And But people, again, were there and they walked along beside me when it was difficult. And so I just tried to be that person that was there for me at one point. And so what, what I mean, we talk a lot about our values and, in you and the team, I mean, certainly demonstrate all of our values on a daily basis. The one that probably comes to mind first is the value of purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and it feels from talking to you in the past, when I mean, you have a clear sense of purpose. Talk about how that sense of purpose brought you to IU Health. So the, it brought me to IU Health. I was working as a recovery coach at a small nonprofit here in Indianapolis and, and felt very passionately and wanted to help people. I was very attracted to IU Health as a whole and the brand that it represents and had a, a friend that was a recovery coach at Methodist, actually. And she had heard about this opportunity through the grapevine, you know, a virtual care and providing these services virtually and forwarded me the link and to this position. And so I applied thinking that I wasn't prestigious enough to work for IU Health, you know, or anything of that nature. And so, but I applied anyway, just to to give it a go. And they called me (laughs) and I did the interview, you know, and just one thing fell into another. And here I am a year later and grateful and honored to be here a year later, you know, and be able to provide these services. It's been a really phenomenal experience um, to do that. We are, we are fortunate to have you. You know, I, I find, I mean, there, there are lots of perceptions, misperceptions around substance abuse mm-hmm. out there. I mean, if you, if you want to educate our listeners around substance abuse from someone who's, who's experienced it, who's been on the road to recovery, I mean, what would, you, what would you want our listeners to know? I think the two key things is that it is a disease. It is not a moral failing. People that suffer from substance use disorder are not bad people. 
they are just sick people that are trying to or need to get well, you know, um, and, and get that reprieve from the disease. And also that recovery is possible. Uh, I think oftentimes we hear the negative sides of substance use disorder and people using substances, but we don't hear the positive of people do recover, they get their families back, they get jobs, you know, because they kind of just fade off into the, the normalcy of society, and rightfully so. But I don't think we get enough positive exposure on that. Well, you, you mentioned the word positive. I mean, you and your colleagues, I mean, have a, a tough and a very fulfilling job, I'm sure, too. But uh, I'm sure it's a lot of, you know, false stars may not be the right terminology, right? But this, sometimes folks don't want to help. I mean, how do you all stay positive each day and stay at it? I know for me the key thing is I have a kind of a selfish sense of gratitude that that's not me anymore in that emergency room bed. Um, you know, because for a long time I was reoccurring in emergency rooms in my addiction. Um, and I think also just being able to have colleagues that are in recovery or have, you know, master's degrees in some type of mental health counseling or social work that we can kind of debrief those things off of and not take things personally. And, you know, and just really have a, a, a very collaborative team of folks to discuss those problems and hurdles as they arise. But I really think a lot of us are filled with the gratitude that A, we're not that person, but we're in a position where we can help people as well, you know, because of we were that person at one point, we can now help them today. Yeah. So we talked about things that you want our general listeners to hear too, but when you're talking to someone who's struggling with substance abuse, I mean, what do you really want to make sure they, they hear? What's your key messages to them? I would say my key message to anybody that's struggling is to reach out for help. There's no reason to be ashamed. 10% of the population you know, suffers from something like that. And, and if you're scared to reach out, there's anonymous hotlines you can call and receive resources. I'm always welcome to reach out to myself or you know, the IU Health EAP has a great assistance program. Um, but just please reach out. There's no need to suffer in silence or alone because um, that's what the disease wants is for you to be alone and dead. Well, I, you know, I, I, again, I've had a chance to talk to you a couple times, some of the colleagues, uh, what you all have been accomplishing in, in relative short order of actually standing up the hub, yeah. rolling it out now to 13 EDs and counting. I think lots of other opportunities on the horizon as well. Um, the work is fantastic. It's actually inspiring every time I go down there and see you. I know our CEO, Dennis Murphy, mm -hmm. recently came by to, to visit and walked away inspired and, and a pr deeply appreciative of the work that you're doing too. So thank you to what you and all of your uh, colleagues are doing too. Any other things, Spencer, you'd want our listeners to know or be aware of? I would say the only other thing is that recovery is possible. You know, I like to end on that note. Great. Well, I appreciate you being here today. Appreciate all the great work that you and your team are doing. And to our listeners, thank you for taking the time to listen wherever you are. Uh, whenever this is that you're listening. Thank you also for the work that you're doing. If you have ideas on future podcasts, feel free to shoot me an email. Always appreciative of those. And we'll look forward to speaking with you again here soon in our next podcast.